Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of me, myself and basketball. The podcast brought to you by NBA UK fans, of course, by the fans, for the fans. Um, this podcast, if you haven't listened before, uh, welcome. If you have, uh, I know there's a, there's a big, a large family of NBA UK fans out there. Uh, what's going on, guys? Hope you guys are keeping well. Um, podcast, as you know, we have a guest on. We talk about their, their, their history, their, 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 their story. You know, being a basketball fan, how you got into it, you know? Um, and um, to, well, today's guest, uh, as, as a stand-up comedian, there's a, there's a handful of comedians, I would say, who I can talk to uh, about basketball, um, you know, at gigs or after gigs, we're rushing back to catch a game or something like that. And yeah, I, I kind of, I, I treasure those moments. And this, this, uh, this our guest today falls into that category. So um, let's get into it, man. Uh, Jada Fragan, how's it going, mate? Hello, how are you doing? Good to see, you. good to talk to you, Nathan, and great to talk <laughs> basketball, right? Yes, exactly. No, 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 quite good to see you. Not yet, <laughs> no, not until after uh, the certain <laughs> deadline. But yeah, good, good to chat to you, man. Uh, how are you, man? How are you keeping? I'm good, and you're right. This is like these are precious chats that we have at the Ninety Nine Club or the Comedy Store, wherever we're performing, <laughs> and it's like, it's like. Uh, uh, we have to huddle off into a corner and go. Yeah, do you still like basketball? <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's still it's amazing that it's so niche when you consider how crap most sport is, and then there's this, you know, Goliath, uh, Hollywood end-to-end never-ending highlight sport that people are reluctant yeah. to get into i'm like what's wrong with you how can you not yeah. like this and obviously it's it's the uh it's the it, it's the tories <laughs> <laughs> i blame them i blame I look it has to be an education system thing because like i i actually campaigned at my son's school to go mm. you know we you know, what's going on? Like, you know, uh, the pitch is too muddy to play football on. And you're like, well, you've got plenty of asphalt, tarmac. Let's get some hoops up here and get these kids moving. Uh, maybe that change is happening. Maybe another guest will tell you better. Uh, uh, what, 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 what was the result uh, of your campaigning? Well, they are playing. They are now playing. and. Yeah, so but they're playing on netball hoops, which is you know it's okay. a it, it, it's a step in the right direction. In, in well, fact, I actually offered to buy them, you know, two fully collapsible outdoor hoops that would stand up to the rain and wind, and that's the other thing. You do need the right hoops for this to work for kids. Yeah, well, I guess if anything, if they're playing on netball hoops, they'll learn how to shoot swishes rather than using the backboard. <laughs> he actually, he said that to me yesterday. Because I, I remember going to basketball camp and when we get into my story, I, I can tell you all about it, but like we would have coaches come over from America and uh, a couple of them, like I can't even remember their names, but like a couple of them were like from the University of Connecticut. I remember Brian Hill from the Orlando Magic was there. Um, mm. John Stockton went to this camp. Oh, and, snap. Yeah, and I can remember and one of the things they said to us was people were complaining about the rims at the camp. And mm. uh, this coach said, uh, don't hit him. <laughs> 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 Complain about the rims, boys. Don't hit them. <laughs> and so my son, Mike Michael, 
uh, has been saying that to his friends. It's like, there's nothing wrong with the rims if you don't hit them. Uh, so yeah, so it, it, it is learning the game the hard way, but really it is, it's a very luxurious position to be in. To, to mm. me, to have this game in my life and be able to pass that joy and love on to my son is one like I'll be honest with you Nathan it's one of my favourite things that I've ever done in my life because I know and you know and your listeners know that this is a game you will take with you wherever you go and a bit like football it it can be played on your own and when, (laughs) when things are tough you can make sense of stuff just by the sounds, like just the sounds of the ball, the sound of a swish, <laughs> all of that. I'm addicted to all of it. I'm completely in love with the game. Oh, mate, well, th- thank you. You are the Coach Carter of your son's school, mate. <laughs> <laughs> we have to get into movies, but basketball movies have to come up at some point here. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah we'll, we'll get into that. Okay, let's, well, first of all, to start your story, why don't you tell the listeners a bit about yourself and most importantly, who's your team? Well, I uh, am a stand-up comedian podcaster. Do, do those two words are now synonymous? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Yeah. You're, you're a comedian without a podcast. Well, I yeah, I moved to the UK in 2013 and was doing stand-up for about five, six years at that point. Moved over, have been doing stand-up up and down the UK, appeared on things like uh, Live at the Palladium, uh, Russell Howard's Good News, The Apprentice, You're Fired, all the, yeah, all the bits and pieces and uh, mm. uh, really just... I started my podcast when I got here and uh, it's called An Irishman Abroad uh, and all the way through like ever since I started I was introduced to the game in 1992 I would say 1992 is the beginning of my basketball journey 91 91 maybe yeah but more than likely 92 was when it crystallized as a thing you know that you could do and Mm. as an irish kid and i'm sure your irish listeners will know what this feels like it was like growing up in uh (laughs) what would be the best example uh it would be like growing up in outside highbury and not supporting arsenal if you didn't grow up in Ireland and support the Boston Celtics. <laughs> it was basically like saying, I am a, a, a subject of the Queen and <laughs> I do not believe in a, a Republic of Ireland. So really, we, we had our own team. Like, like if you think about it, there was a British Bulldogs team in the NBA. Every British person would support them. We've got our own team. And... Yeah. Straight away, we were. It was explained to us by our coach, who was kind of the, you know, the person who fed us the propaganda, who showed us the, he he showed us the, the, <laughs> the videos, the NBA entertainment videos. Come fly with me, NBA superstars too, and really, he was the one who kind of said the Celtics is actually an Irish organization, was created by the Irish of Boston, and you know, he wasn't saying I'm not saying you have to support them, but. We kind of all understood, but uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So that's been that's been my team, and uh, that being said, if you grew up around that time, and your, your younger listeners will be sick to the teeth of hearing this, but you know, it's like watching boxing 
in the 60s. Like, it didn't matter who you rooted for, you appreciated Michelangelo and Muhammad mm. Ali. And you, you, couldn't, you couldn't grow up in that time and not drop all tools when Michael Jordan was around. It didn't matter who you supported. You supported the, yeah. uh, the maestro, the, uh, you know, the da Vinci. Uh, you, yeah, you'd yeah. be a moron <laughs> to be like, and we all know there are those morons <laughs> who are like, yeah, but I think uh, Kareem Olajuwon's twice the player he is. Uh, yeah, okay, you go and lie down. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we, you know, so 1992 I pinpoint as a crucial time because for so many people of that generation, the Beatles arrived in Europe. Uh, uh, and in the same way as mm. you know, uh, Paul, John, and Ringo showing up uh, at that Pan Am press conference uh, in JFK, when they landed with the Dream Team, Michael, Magic, Larry, and Charles were yeah. the hilarious, mm. uh, shining <laughs> uh, studs of this game, and. They were funny and uh, so entertaining that com when compared to the Ireland I was growing up in, and I do have to stress this, like Ireland was a very, very bleak place at that time. Like it was kind of emerging from this kind of Catholic churchy grip. Uh, sports weren't flashy. Mm. You know, somebody does a step over on a football yeah. pitch. They were called a fancy Dan. and You, you shouldn't be showing off. The point was <laughs> to get the job done. And basketball was the opposite of that. It was, it was glamour and showmanship and ridiculous mm. clothes. <laughs> it, was, it was magic. And yeah, in that way, yeah. it was. It, it, I was just always going to gravitate towards it. And the Celtics in particular. Mm, yeah, and, and the Celtics in particular. Really. Like, even now, like, let's be honest. Uh, uh, with my son, Michael, he owns all manner of different pieces of basketball paraphernalia because I am raising him not to have this kind of a uh, partisan view of the game like I am I sounds lofty and all but you may as well like I just kind of felt like we don't really have a team in this house yes push comes to shove Celtics but what we love is the beauty of the game and that's always oh, what we're celebrating so yeah so you're not gonna you know, just kind of stay no like fatherly pressure but like this gently nudge him towards the celtics yeah i mean yeah like he's he he had a Kyrie uh jersey that was probably his first celtics jersey was a Kyrie jersey but but really you know i find i don't know if you feel this but some of that uh us versus them thing that mm. takes hold in a lot of sports diminishes yeah. what is you know the unifying passion of the fans we are talking about nba uk fans here the passion mm -hmm. is for the game and i i do have a soft spot for the celtics there are so many celtics moments that really stick in my memory but to to me i i am trying my best to uh uh, you know, and in the same way as it, like when you're raising your kids, you realize under that they're not yours. 
he is his own man like he will do whatever he wants like he will probably say to me he's a lakers fan at the end of all of this <laughs> just in spite of oh, me <laughs> give you a heart attack yeah just in spite of me he'll say that and, and look hey I, I i do own a kobe jersey and there's that's a whole nother story but uh again it's not i just don't want it infested with that kind of liverpool man united we hate them because they are them. I can't stand that. And I guess part of that is growing up in a country that had a civil war taking place while I was mm. a kid. Okay. I I totally hear what you're saying and it's a very noble thing. But I've got to be honest, mate. If if I have kids and they grow up not liking, not supporting the Raptors, they can get out of my house. <laughs> mate, just, they are dead to me. I don't care. <laughs> You know it's gonna happen. Like that. This is the messed up thing, because there was. It's so funny that for, for the start of his life, like I put the ball in his crib. I, you know, he had a hoop that was way too big for him way too early on. And I swear, <laughs> I swear, Nathan, he pushed back against basketball specifically, and he's ten now, specifically because he just didn't want to do what his dad told him to do. So it's a real it's a real funny one this one. It's a whole other subject here that maybe you can talk to other guests about. The trail of breadcrumbs that you have to lead. It's like inception. The idea has to emanate from within him otherwise it won't take hold. You can't be going waving your finger otherwise you're the man. You're the you're the institution telling him who he should be whereas your kids are just so anti-authority. It's so it's so funny to watch, but uh, at the at the moment, I feel like it's clicking for him. It's he's he started to just adore the things that I love about it, like just just all all, all the component parts. And I am an basketball anorak of the highest order, and obsessed with the finest details of the game. Like, Completely. Okay. So when you uh, I said your your was it a teacher who introduced you to basketball? Yeah, Joe O'Connor. Never forget. Okay. Go ahead. Joe. Big up O'Connor. Big Joe. Mr. O'Connor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so do do you remember like do, do you remember what 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 was the Celtic team then? Do you remember the team then? I do because it was obviously the end of the Bird era, and. Mm. Uh, and to me, all I knew was grainy footage of that he would show us of games where, y- you know, I can remember him showing us the game where he told the bench, I'm going to shoot this three and finish here. Uh, he showed us the three point contest with the one finger up before the ball went in the hoop. And uh, we saw all that. But in real time, when I turned on NBA action on Eurosport on a Saturday yeah. morning, it was the farewell tour of this man and his back was in ribbons. I remember becoming slightly obsessed with Kevin McHale. And part of that yeah. was Kevin and I played the same position. And I loved that he, like me, wasn't super athletic. Look, we were dealing with superhumans. If you think about yeah. it in, the, in terms of rugby or soccer, a tall lad like Niall Quinn 
was the big Irish uh, centre forward at the time mm. was regarded as an incredible feat that a man six foot six could run <laughs> straight line. <laughs> 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 and Niall was dexterous, like Niall Quinn, if people look him up, was a multi-sport freak at the time. Still mm. six foot six and did at times, all due respect to Niall, and I do still now count him as a friend, occasionally look like an alligator walking around on his hind legs. Uh, the the, uh, NBA uh, athlete, it's still kind of hard to wrap your head around it, isn't it? The the ability, the speed, the power. And Mm. Kevin McHale had none of that. (laughs) He looked like he should be selling you cars. He looked looked like a janitor. (laughs) And... And yet, like, if you if if fans now want to do a deep dive on YouTube of this man's myriad of post moves, like it was insane. Like the post game is a relic now, isn't it? It's such a thing of the past. But this guy, the up and under step through, uh, was the move I learned from him, and I was. Uh, it just never failed me. <laughs> just, people were like, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. But it was the same way with the best post moves. It's like you, they're unstoppable moves. If it's a sky hook or a fadeaway or that up and under, Mikhail mm. was the one that I was like, how is this guy even in the NBA? He, for me, was the Steph Curry in that he gave me hope. <laughs> I can do this if Kevin can do it. <laughs> and he, and he, he did run like his elbows were all over the shop, like, and his knee, he just did not look ergonomically designed to be in the NBA. And yet mm. he was. Then, of course, there was D Brown, who was on the team, who had won a dunk contest. And, you, you know, he certainly was the new age, the beginning of, uh, you know, the playground basketball Mm. Also, he was six foot one. I was six foot one by the time I was 11 ish and obsessed with dunking and learning to dunk and building my muscles so that I could dunk. And he gave me hope as well. Uh, the, the team at that time was very much in a downward spiral. I think it's yeah. safe to say they mm-hmm. they really, really were. It was the Len Bias thing that kind of scuppered any hope. Uh, there and again I hadn't the wherewithal at that age it's only years later when I watched the 30 for 30 on Len Bias that I understood exactly how much the hopes of the franchise were pinned on that man and rightly so Uh, so to an extent when I came to the Celtics and understood that the Celtics were going to be my team I I was aware that a bit like supporting Liverpool my my football team (laughs) the golden days were over (laughs) and now Graeme Soonis is in the house. <laughs> he, is, he is not. He is not Bob Paisley. And uh, yeah, so it was a pretty bleak time that way. But on the other hand, you you couldn't begrudge the Bulls at the time. Like you could hate them. You could hate how dominant they were. But mm. like you couldn't argue with it. Yeah, could have been as doing it. Mm, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Okay, so that just, was that uh, was. Random question: were, were there any uh, Irish kids you knew who weren't Celtics fans? Oh, yeah. Well, I did know one kid who had set his stall out and I look good. Fair play to him. He was like the magic are an expansion team. 
<laughs> I am expanding into basketball. And he was like, I will be a an Orlando Magic wow. supporter. And in fairness to him, not a bad, not a bad call for uh, someone who isn't affiliated to any part of America and wants to go on the journey. And that magic journey that he went on, like I remember him celebrating them getting the number one pick and telling us all about Shaquille O'Neal yeah, is yeah. coming to the NBA. And we had never heard the name. And remember lads going, is he Irish? <laughs> <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, a great West of Ireland name, Shaquille. Uh, but yeah, he he. I did know him. And yeah, I guess everybody again had a soft spot for the yeah. Bulls and if anyone if anyone was any supporter at that time it was a, a Bulls a Bulls supporter uh, and look don't get me wrong Nathan I I, I have my fair share of uh, last dance paraphernalia uh, it nearly felt like a rite yeah. of passage if you mm. didn't have uh, a Jordan t-shirt at least you weren't welcome <laughs> down at the court uh, who, who were okay apart from like uh the Celtics players, apart from Jordan, who else like who else inspired you? Who 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 were your favorite players back then? You know, Scotty Pippen mm-hmm. for me was, and I said it at the time that as far as I could see, he was the most underrated player in the league, mm-hmm. and that there was uh, there was all this talk about uh, Batman and Robin at the yeah. time and. The one-two punch was always what they mm-hmm. talked about. And in fact, Anthony Hardaway coming to the Magic was, you know, seen as the piece that they were missing. Yeah. Uh, everything was not about creating super teams. It was about your one-two. Yeah. Uh, you, you go through all the teams at the time. They were trying to pin two great talents together and then put uh, a supporting cast from there that wouldn't you know turn over the ball <laughs> literally get those two guys can play off each other you can't guard both at the same yeah. time and to an extent we've heard this said that there is no uh, michael without scotty mm-hmm. but there is no scotty without michael mm-hmm. and i do believe that he has he owes him an awful lot because the the elevation of his game occurs through training and defending this man like when we talk about Scottie Pippen as one of the greatest defenders of all time the the man who essentially won them their first title by being able to shut magic down end to end Mm -hmm. every inch of that court Uh, I I was a little bit obsessed with Scottie my first NBA jersey was Scottie Pippen because uh, that was that was the jersey I was presented with. No choice at the time. <laughs> if the jersey arrives, that's the jersey you're getting. But I, I then did become a bit obsessed with Scotty, and how he uh, he 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 really was the glue. He was the glue guy, and the last dance has kind of brought that to to life a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, 1994 takes place and everybody talks about this stain on his career of refusing to enter the game against the Knicks when the last second play is drawn up for Tony Kukoc. And I took that very hard. <laughs> I really did take that hard as, uh, you know, I, I obviously everyone has an appreciation for Muhammad Ali. I, I mean, there was, there was no questions asked who was the best. But to me, Scotty, Scotty's story as well, the underdog story yeah. of it inspired me as well. That just 
out of nowhere the you know the equipment manager is is there uh, in the nba now on the best team uh, and when he refused to go in the game that time i felt like and this is something that i don't think has been said right that yeah i do think that nba players don't talk about their mental health at all yeah uh kevin love did and even received some criticism for mm-hmm. it i can i could seem to remember there being murmurs maybe from kobe about the weakness that that showed your opponent i do feel though that scotty struggled with his mental health yeah, at yeah. times during that i could be wrong but essentially he had a gig like you and i know where you choke on stage i'm I'm sure you've had those gigs where it's just like it's all gone pear-shaped yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're about to go on and you're like it's pure performance stress mm. uh he may have built himself up in his head with all the contract stuff and all of the other stuff and carrying the team let's not forget that that season he led the team in assists steals rebounds and yeah. scoring and it was it was probably not getting enough praise for that because everyone was going, I wonder will MJ ever come back? <laughs> and that it all just got too much for him in that moment. Like, why can nobody understand that? That he's a human being who sat on the bench going, oh, you can fuck off now. <laughs> Tony's going to take this shot. No, fuck off. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going in the game. Mm. And we make mistakes. And that and look, that's that's the other side. It is hard to relate to Michael Jordan. Mm. It's even harder now that we've watched The Last Dance. Oh, hell yeah. I respect Michael Jordan, but but Jesus Christ, he he was a freak of nature. Whereas here's this man, Scottie Pippen, who makes mistakes like all of us. And I definitely struggled with my ability to perform in public, whether it was, you know, say your spellings in class or you know be a cool guy in front of the girls and Scotty wasn't the most handsome man in the world yeah. like myself <laughs> Scotty was going to make mistakes mm-hmm. and own them uh, so for me uh, he, he, he okay. was he was my guy also let's not forget Nathan some of yeah. those dunks oh, yeah. like some yeah, of his yeah. dunks like th- I sent yeah. you one today as a gif because it's the greatest. In, he is the owner of the greatest in-your-face dunk ever to take place. Uh, I don't think you can top uh, Scotty on oh, Patrick okay. Ewing uh, okay, in the Eastern Conference Finals. The is the, is the rise up the the walk over <laughs> after the dunk. First of all, the ferocity of the dunk in the moment, the walk over, and then the walk over to Spike Lee and tell him to sit the fuck down. That to me. <laughs> not going to get better than that yeah, you just some, won't yeah. did, did someone like, walking over someone it's just like the disrespect like mate come on he's a human he's got he's got to go home to his <laughs> wife and kids man <laughs> yeah yeah it's the iverson step over on oh, uh, Lu as well oh, si- similar similarly it, there's there's a connotation to it but it's stepping over the dead bodies yeah <laughs> something amazing about the step over uh, and his step over was the full crotch above head. <laughs> <laughs> Iverson went out of his way to step over him. Like he could have walked around. Yeah, exactly. 
Whereas Scotty was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to shove you to the ground and then I'm going to continue walking. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're going to see days. these nuts. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so you said uh, Pippin was your first jersey. Mm. Okay, well, let's talk about, let's talk about merch. I know you got lots. And as you said, you're passing some of it over to, you know, to, to your son. Yeah. Okay, are you are you a Jersey man? Are you a sneakerhead? Both. Everything, everything, man. I'm everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Basketball cards, uh, old wow. magazines. I, I will bid for magazines on eBay. I uh, for real? yeah, for real. There's old magazines that I'm obsessed with. That you know, the, just that time period and that particular era. Uh, there's something about it that look the bottom line was i didn't have much money at the time and so much of nostalgia is driven by Mm -hmm. i couldn't have it then but i can sure as hell have it now and uh, so much of my uh, purchasing and the memorabilia i own is a result of that so yeah i'm a sneakerhead i would be i guess my fetish (laughs) would be (laughs) practice gear i don't know why i love practice gear Oh, We're talking about you know practice. <laughs> you, you, you're talking about, you're up here talking about practice. Not the game. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I kind of get you on that. There's a lot of practice gear, which is probably as good or sometimes better than the jerseys. Mm, yeah, and there's something about sometimes there was... Look, the, the jerseys have gone through fits and starts in terms mm. of their... Uh, you know, kind of social mobility. Let's say you you used to <laughs> okay. be a time where you sh- you showed up in a in a a Bulls jersey or Pistons jersey, uh, and it was like the equivalent of a full kit wanker. Uh, yeah. It was like, what? What are you doing wearing a jersey? Like, and then it's it's completely come full circle, where it's a completely acceptable thing to uh, accessorize with any kind of outfit you can throw it on with jeans or uh track pants uh, and then they became literally things on the shelf like i have a bunch of jerseys that are in ireland at the moment that are mm-hmm. fully in storage and vacuum packed uh nice. that i hope are worth something someday and similarly with the shoes there's there there's been times where i can't over because if you think about it if i started collecting in 92 and yeah. there was times when that stuff was very in fashion you could wear it about and then there was other times where my wife was going why are you buying this (laughs) (laughs) you are not going to wear it (laughs) particularly the sneakers (laughs) yeah yeah particularly the sneakers like that i bought a pair of billy hoyles people in the know sneakerheads listen to this (laughs) yeah you know what i'm talking billy hoyle Okay, Billy, Billy. Hoyle. <laughs> and the Billy Hoyles are very hard to get your hands on. They're an extreme, maybe the chunkiest sneaker ever created. They come up halfway up your shin. But yeah. people who know White Man Can't Jump will know that they are an iconic sneaker. Mm. I've worn yeah. them twice. And they have to be worn with uh, an explicit lyrics t-shirt, a uh, pair of khaki <laughs> <laughs> shorts. <laughs> A bomber jacket and a back. It's nearly a fucking Halloween costume. <laughs> These sneakers are completely unusable as actual hooping shoes. But, you know, I, I am completely obsessed with having these 
mementos and so many ways they are pieces of art for me mm. I, I keep so much of it just to have to look at and uh, yeah okay in the last in, since Nike took over the apparel I think yeah. it's stepped up I think it's gone up a level and I've been much more inclined to buy uh, a Thermoflex courtside jacket or uh, okay. uh, shorts um, but yeah to be honest with you Nathan I'm obsessed with it all <laughs> alright everything you've got you've got man, you've got a lot of memorabilia right yeah what is what's the holy grail what's, what's the most prized possession out of all of your basketball memorabilia Whew. oh man what how do you pick one of your children <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking around at it here now because yeah, I suppose uh, I do have a pair of Space Jams from uh, 2010 that uh, are fully box fresh and were, you know, at the time the most sought after shoe in the world. And mm. I got them pre-release on my honeymoon in New York at Flight Club. In terms are you of serious? Sneaks, yeah, they were they were on a your honeymoon. Deal, like, Cost a lot, yeah, and it was a big deal. Uh, Your wife is such a tolerant person. (laughs) Extremely tolerant, because, you know, there's a darker side to all of this, because I can remember her uh, finding hidden shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Shoes that I didn't have the courage to tell her I'd bought. And she found them in the boot of the car. And what was worse, Nathan, was she was with her friends, uh, and they, she opened the boot of the car and was like, what the f-? And all of her friends were like, oh, <laughs> I know what's <laughs> happened here. <laughs> I, I mean, the, the guilt of it now, and I look back on it, now I'm being much more like, look, I wanted the thing, I bought the thing, but uh, I, I didn't have, I, I didn't own it as much then. I Now... That's about four years ago. Now I have my own basketball podcast called Irishman Inside Basketball. And I think I've come to a much better place of, first of all, wearing it if I buy it and not just keeping it in a cupboard. And second Mm. of all, just owning that, like, this is who I am. This is what I'm into. And do you know what I mean by this, Nathan? That especially for white guys in the UK, if you rock up wearing like the Bulls, uh, warm-up jacket one of the things <laughs> that I own <laughs> and I've also got the trousers as well you rock up wearing that it just looks a little especially when you're 40 <laughs> it's, just, it's like uh, and now I am just at the point where I'm like fuck it man uh, this is who I am you are who you I'm, are this is such a big part of my life I adore this game. I adore the NBA and what it's given me. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, screw it. Uh, I'm wearing it. This is what I wear now. Like right now, I'm I'm fully kitted out. <laughs> don't give. Are, two, are you saying? Yeah, <laughs> what, don't what, give what, two what, damps. Yeah, I could what, What's, what's the gear? What's the gear? So uh, Bulls, uh, Bulls uh, warm up uh, from a couple of years back that I just think really high quality hoodie. Uh, then okay. um, stuff that I bought in the NBA store when I was in New York last. Just super, super comfy, quality apparel. 
this this podcast is becoming more about clothes than the game itself that's that's what your listeners are going to be like this guy's just a fashion guy (laughs) (laughs) no the thing is though it's it's, it's part of the culture it's part of the the nba the basketball culture now isn't it big time big time and i like i say i'm not ashamed of it i think i spent a lot of my particularly as an irish fellow with a catholic upbringing you spend a lot of the time beating yourself up going you're not a nice guy and that these things that you're obsessed with are distractions from you know being a better person but you know i uh, i'm much more inclined to celebrate the quirks of who i am and you know from comedy that's where the gold is like that mm. really in comedy if you celebrate your weirdness well yeah. i'm afraid that's pay dirt <laughs> That's where it's at. <laughs> Whether yeah. it's Ninja Turtles or uh, <laughs> NBA yeah. apparel, Took my get language. there. <laughs> yeah, get there and 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 uh, uh, plow that soil. <laughs> <laughs> so, what 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 uh, what sort of merchandise? What sort of things are you um, passing on or kind of like steering mm. towards your son? Like, what, what kind of things? Well, look, is, there's is a, there's there's about eighteen pairs of kicks here above me that when he reaches size. UK eleven, he's mm-hmm. he's got a he's got a, a wardrobe ready to go. Uh, nice. I I do pass. Uh, look, I do, I do hope to pass it all on to him. I guess it's all going to be his, and uh, I, I love that idea. That but like here's the reality. He's he is as I said he's his own man. Uh, he's a super creative kid who's into all sorts of things that I wasn't into, mm-hmm. uh, and. I know lots of dads and moms listening to this will know you desperately want them to love basketball, but uh, there's absolutely no guarantee they will. But my hope is that at least basketball for him and what I do hand on to him is something that when he comes home on the weekends or regardless of whether he comes back to the house with his own kids, that we can share the game, that we can just play it together. That's what I'm hoping to pass on to him is the fun of that. <laughs> and uh, that's a challenge too. Let's be honest, that's a challenge as well. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. That's a, that's a very sweet moment of this podcast, isn't it? <laughs> um, okay, let's let's talk about movies because, yeah, we, we can't, I can't have you on this podcast and not talk about basketball movies. We've, we've mentioned we've had a few references already. Oh, okay, first up, let me ask you, are you excited for Space Jam 2? Have you seen the trailer? massively excited because I wasn't a huge fan of Space Jam 1. I remember being... Were you? Yeah, I wasn't that... wasn't wasn't into it. Didn't dig it. I thought as a car crash movie, really funny. Really, really funny. It makes zero sense. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's Space Jam, but it's not in space. Like, come on. <laughs> it's... it's oh, yeah. Why didn't they just go to space? Like... <laughs> Marvin no, the Martian is from Mars. No, it takes place yeah, inside yeah, the yeah. Earth's core. Well, then why are they? Tr- where are they trying to escape to if they're inside a sphere? I don't understand the movie at all. And I was, I guess I was a little bit cynical, 15-year-old kid who was a bit yeah, over mate, Bugs Bunny harsh, at the time. So <laughs> I, you know what I was obsessed with, with Space Jam? Was the Jordan mm. Dome. I can't be the only person who was absolutely obsessed with this training facility that they built for him uh, to practice in while he wasn't shooting. I was more obsessed with that than I was with Space Jam. 
totally honest and I still am. Okay. I still seek out footage and images of that uh, that that uh, tent. <laughs> Hearing what you just told me, I'm surprised that instead of a comedian, you're not working for like IMDB or something. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely nerd out over those things. That said, the this is how hard it is to entertain youngsters now. The Space Jam 2 trailer came on. Mikey is playing his Switch, building his own Lego universe in Lego worlds. And as a Mikey is Space Jam 2, he looked up. It didn't hold his attention for 10 seconds. I mean, Nathan, what? hope do they have that's a 200 million dollar movie you spent 200 million dollars on a movie you put lebron james in it and a kid playing a building blocks game on a switch won't stay watching the entire trailer never mind the movie i was like oh we're all fucked like i mean this is this and this generation are just going to be so hard to entertain it's it's a steep mountain for them to climb because i get that uh, there's so much affection connected to the first one, isn't there? Yeah, there's, exactly. There's so much, uh, oh, uh, good times, remembering simpler days. Like, this is why the connection with Oasis is so strong for so many people, because it was pre, pre-complication, uh, mm. a safer time. There was no, uh, nobody had raised an eyebrow or even asked a question about the uh you know the rights and wrongs of t- of of professional sports and the black experience in america it was just such a kind of a you know good old days to refer to that horrible term but there was something about we all have a period that you look back with, with rose tinted glasses for so many people space jam one is going to be that period and for so many yeah. people space jam two is never gonna live up regardless <laughs> just never gonna live up but i do think it looks great you know i think it looks great the trailer looks amazing yeah i was i was very i was hyped up when i saw the trailer I was like, okay cool cool cool. straight away i text my brother that like, bruv we are going he's like yeah yeah I know. <laughs> i've already blocked off that space it's, it's the day i think it's the same day as my mom's birthday and we're like okay we'll, we'll, what we'll do we'll go to my mom's early and then late at night she'll fall asleep and then we'll go to the cinema <laughs> amazing <laughs> what a plan what date is it coming out out of interest uh, I think you should know your mother's six, birthday. Sixteenth <laughs> of July. Uh, of July. Oh man, cinemas will be open and the whole lot. This is gonna be great. I'm gonna stick that in the diary now. Yeah. That's definitely a day. That's a day out, isn't it? Mate. That's suited and booted in all your NBA gear, down to the. <laughs> the, <laughs> the amount the of audio. like people who are out at 30, 40 year olds. <laughs> There's gonna be no kids there. Just grown men in bottle. <laughs> Making notes, comparing it to number one. Does Michael Jordan make a cameo? That's the next question. That's good. That's a good one. Oh. He surely should, but I very much doubt that he will, especially considering he greenlit Last Dance when LeBron won his his title (laughs) in Cleveland. He was like, that's it. (laughs) I'm the (laughs) GOAT. I'm going to remind everybody (laughs) who's the best. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But I'd love to see that. All right. You must see this question, man. So, uh, carrying on with the basketball movies, your top three basketball films. Okay. Go. Okay. Number one, Above the Rim. Uh, oh, that, that is, yes. Uh, uh, it, is a, it is a controversial choice. I'm going to go one down to three because uh, mm. Above the Rim, 
Lest We Forget featured Tupac Shakur, who mm-hmm. was an unbelievable actor. <laughs> yeah. People forget that he was so talented. <laughs> and his performance in that took that movie from being just another uh, Hollywood attempt to make a hood movie about yeah. the realities of inner city life. Mm. His performance, along with Marlon Wayne's, to me, elevate that into... And isn't Stringer Bell in it as well? Am I wrong in thinking that? That the the guy who played Stringer Bell in The Wire is in it as well. To me, it was kind of the beginning of the that kind of wire... Uh, the, like, there's a definitely yeah. a germ I, of an idea in that yeah. movie that spawns this incredible series. Mm. It also had some of the best basketball scenes I, I had ever seen some of the most realistic basketball scenes because that had always been the problem, hadn't it? That like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, cripes, what is happening here? People passing the ball, waiting for the ball, defenders <laughs> going the wrong way on, on purpose. There was none yeah. of that. It looked like they played pickup and they would got to see what happened. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I just love that. And uh, number two has to be White Man Can't Jump. Uh, yeah, I actually okay. got to speak to Ron Shelton on my podcast. Sorry to oh, plug you? my show, but I'm obsessed with White Man Can't Jump in a big way. Mm. And he he explained to me how the movie came about. And the story behind that movie is just wonderful. Not only is it a hilarious movie uh, and again, features some amazing basketball scenes. Also, Gary Payton has a cameo in the movie. Not a lot of people know that. He doesn't have any on time uh, screen time, but he he is in the tournament, <laughs> and uh, oh yeah, 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 and uh, Ron Shelton, of course, is an ex, the director who's an ex minor league baseball player, who used to hoop on that kind of side of town, uh, went down to his local court, uh, one day for his pickup game, and it was it was chained up. Uh, this is how the movie came about. So the court was chained up and he's like, what's going on? And he said, oh, one of the guys went to his glove box. And he was like, what, is, what, what does that mean? And he okay. goes, we all know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he just <clears throat> essentially came up with that title uh, yeah. one night and gave birth to this script in one sitting. And to me, it's an all-time classic L.A. movie. Uh, okay. And number three uh, has to be, for me, He Got Game. I don't know how yeah. you feel about that movie. It, it It's not without its flaws. It, mm. it definitely has problems. But I don't know, Nathan. It definitely captures a time. And it captures... It's so funny that it was... Uh, it was nearly spikely seeing the future. Because essentially, the high school phenom was just about to to occur. Like Kobe yeah. was literally having his summer that year, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. LeBron was still a, a junior or a, maybe even a freshman in high school. And I guess that was a side of basketball that I was kind of obsessed with the the prodigy element yeah. of it. That yeah. in Ireland we were. I was the tallest player on my team at six foot one. Uh, but we knew that on the other side of the world, there was this, you know, just this other game. Mm. And that these youngsters could 
compete with professionals at the age of 17. Yeah. And uh, I, I just marveled at all the cameos in it. All the uh, all the basketball scenes are, are spot on. Yeah. And Ray Allen, let's not forget, the gr- one of the greatest three-point shooters of exactly. all time. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah so and also the soundtrack for that is amazing as well. Killer, killer soundtrack. And Denzel does it all what never fails. <laughs> he yeah. just never fails. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I, I, I loved that film. So that's top three. I'm glad you asked me top three because it gets more murky then after that, doesn't it? Okay. <laughs> no, but that's a quality three right there, man. I think... Uh, I think most people would agree with you on those three as well. I mean, there's other like Coach Carter's, but those three chosen, they, I mean, <clears throat> they don't look out of place at all. So, yeah, cool. Mm. Ah, and I've got two quick questions before you wrap up, right? One, kind of a double question. What do you make of the Celtics today and how do you, like, what's, what does a game they look like for you? How do you, how do you watch them? Is that, do you watch home after gigs and stuff or what? Yeah. Uh, game day is definitely I'll take game day first right because mm-hmm. game day has changed and continues to change for me uh, the nature of our job as stand up comics means that y- when you are on the road uh, I never stay the night like I would, the hotel might be there I will try and drive home and even if mm. it's two nighter somewhere I'll drive back again uh, and part of the reason for doing that is that when you arrive back and you're a little bit buzzed up from the car, you plonk yourself on the couch and you get to watch it live. And to me, yeah. that you cannot beat live. Uh, mm. I'm a League Pass subscriber forever. And uh, I just love that experience of live. Um, I've obviously been to live games over there. Uh, and that's, again, another step up. It's you know oh. incomparable sporting experience, right? Tell uh, us about that, man. Uh, well, the last game I, I went to was the uh, uh, Nets versus the Rockets in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, I was over there to do podcasts and gigs and stuff. And, you know, it does just it, like it does just bring it home to you, doesn't it? Exactly how how lucky we are to have this thing and how distant we are from it here that when it comes to London again, Mm. I mean, people need to make a point of going because it's suddenly like Rob Beckett and Ramesh Ranganathan, and friends of mine. And, you know, I met them in the airport. It's one of the most annoying interactions I've ever had in my life. Right. <laughs> I was in the airport. <laughs> I was in the airport. I was going back to Dublin to support Jack Whitehall in the uh, three arena in Dublin. Mm. And mm-hmm. uh, they, I was like, where are you? Where are you boys going? Uh, and they were like. Oh, we got the bloody LA for Clippers, and I was like, "Sorry, what? sorry." I was like, "Say, say that again." <laughs> and uh, they both acted like it was a pain in the arse, <laughs> and I was just like fuming. And they were, they got such a kick out of this. Absolutely, they were not really like basketball, and I was like, "Oh, oh my god, mate. this is annoying." But what was amazing was. I kept in touch, obviously, over the course of the trip, and they returned complete evangelists for the game. Okay. They'd be great guests to have on the podcast, man, uh, because both of them converted in one sitting. Sweet. And, you know, that's that's the thing. And that's that, that's the proof of the pudding here. 
We need to get more people to games. We need to get more people to witness this thing that we love in person because there's no going back. <laughs> oh, yeah. Rob Beckett is uh, absolutely obsessed with the documentaries as well. Uh, and uh, it, he's also suited and booted in NBA gear ever since. Um, oh, you know what? Yeah, that, I, I did a gig with him maybe a month or so ago. And I was wearing my, I had a Raptors hat on. And he was like, oh, um, do you support Raptors? I'm like, yeah. He goes, okay, I, I follow basketball, but I haven't got a team yet. So that makes sense <laughs> now that you're saying that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that my, my game day varies. Uh, when my son was uh, very, very young, I can remember watching the entire uh, Mavericks Heat finals uh, while feeding mm. him late at night. And that's another beautiful part of the game. That you, if you've got late night feeds to do, it's always there for you. Um, nice. In terms of the Celtics at the moment, I mean, we're really at a crossroads. Uh, I, I think Jason Tate will lead us through. But uh, this is a, an organization in a state of flux at the moment. And, you know, they'll have a certain amount of regrets. You'd have to around the draft picks that they've they've made but then they've got it right like by and large but l let's not forget this big detour down the Kyrie road that they took mm. uh, I mean how different could things be if that and Gordon Hayward had worked out I mean it could yeah. be very different like that Gordon Hayward injury oh, is a I'm sliding doors it. moment in yeah. NBA history so I fully believe that if the two of them had figured out their one-two punch, who knows where we'd be. Or uh, maybe maybe it never was going to be. You just don't know. But that definitely uh, changed the course of the franchise and they've been forever trying to play catch-up ever since. Uh, am I hopeful? I would be. I would be hopeful because I think they've got a great, great management set up there. They are like the... They, it is incredible what the back office does and exactly how smart you need them to be. And if you're supporting a team like the Bulls, <laughs> that could be quite hard Gosh. because it feels a bit like it's not the players' fault. <laughs> it's these dudes in suits uh, that we're competing against. Yeah, so uh, look, uh, I adore it. And uh, uh, even, if, even if the Celtics went out of business, it's not like I would stop supporting the game it is the mm -hmm. game for me i'm an nba fan more than a, mm -hmm. a celtics fan that said if the celtics are listening i would love to do an episode of an irish man abroad <laughs> on the celtics but uh, yeah man there's uh, uh, there's a there's a lot to be hopeful about especially with fans coming back into into the buildings isn't it mm, yeah next season I, will, I, want, I want to go to toronto like uh like october november if we're back in the scotia bank yeah, um, I've been in that building. Uh, I've been in the the Raptors building. What mate, is it? It's the, amazing, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it stunning? Uh, that that alone, just the building. Like I remember, I got the tour of the building and I got into the into the dressing rooms, and you know, it's it's all inspiring. That was at the time that Vince was there as well. Oh, I mean, I mean that was the glory days, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, how are you feeling about the season? Well, as a Raptor, um, this, yeah. this, this season's it's a write-off, mate. Just, just, let's just pretend. If I had that Men in Black thing, that, that memory thing, <laughs> let's, just, let's do that. This season, like, we've been we're in Tampa, no fans. We've had COVID has like wreaked havoc on on our team, and injuries. It's like yeah, just forget it. It's just 
get back to Toronto and restart. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a tough one. That's the way Liverpool are as well. <laughs> uh, it's the same boat. But uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I do think that uh, in terms of the game here in the UK, I'm extremely optimistic because I don't know if you've witnessed the change that's taken place. Like since I moved here in 2013, when mm. there was nothing to be found, like there was just yeah. you, you could hunt, but you could not find NBA stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I certainly didn't know where to look. I'm sure there's big NBA fans going, you, you should have come to me. But now, I mean, it, it's just so omnipresent. It's really give you a lot of hope for the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I hear you mean. I mean, maybe it's like that that post Olympics thing where people go, "Oh, you can play basketball here." It's not just America. So, no, you can yeah. do it here as well. Yeah, mm. true enough. Yeah, um, I didn't even get to name my my, my, my all time starting five. I was excited about that. But maybe oh, no, we're going to do that, mate. No, oh really? We'll, we'll, we'll do it. We'll, we'll just the last little bit, and then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up. Right, okay, so, awesome. Okay, if every guest gets to do it, mate, don't worry. We're not going to leave it out. <laughs> You're starting five, okay? doesn't have to be the best five, but the five that's, like, personal to you, okay? And your mm. starting five will continue on to the next episode. So, at the moment, our last guest, uh, Lee Emptage, he had uh, Adam Iverson, MJ, Sean Kemp, Glenn Robinson, and Shaq. That's his Glenn five. Robinson! Oh, my God! What a <laughs> curveball! What a strange choice! Glenn Robinson! Wait, Who, was all... Who was the centre? Who was the centre? Shaq. Shaq. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. It's Everything else, to... fine. Okay. No, but it's all down to that pers- to personal preference. Yeah, yeah. What, what means... Like, okay, I'll give you something. I, I had um, I had Kyle Lowry, Kobe. I had Shaq at centre. I had Vince Carter, obviously. Um, but mm. I had Ray Allen because I love He Got Game. So, yeah. there you go. It's, it's all personal, mate. It's you all... need to stick a sixth man in there as well, I think. Uh, it gives people an extra one that they can... Mm. lob in a real curveball at the at the end so we did give this a bit of thought obviously delighted to be on the podcast and uh you you know there's so many ways to come at this isn't there because mm-hmm. i think your angle of it of who would you like to be in your starting five so assuming that you're the coach essentially is it yeah yeah i i love that because too many of these discussions get spiral into uh, oh, he's not as good as this person. No, and yeah, no, not, not this that. person in their prime, you know. Mm-hmm. And I even ventured down the rabbit hole because the power forward spot's a real tough one, isn't it? Because you can nearly think uh, think of a power forward and immediately you can think of somebody who could have stopped that power forward. It's yeah. such, a, such a tricky position. Uh, I would st- say, though, that if I was to coach my own starting five, mm-hmm. uh, unequivocally... I would love to get Steph on uh, on the point just to witness him catching fire. I just think that that's okay. especially with age. Now that he's 30 what is he 33 years old and playing better than he played at 28. The efficiency yeah. of the man is just like uh, that that's going to be that will write his place in history how he plays for the next oh, 2 man. years. He's uh, going to go down as one of the greatest if not the greatest shooter. Un- unbelievable uh, efficiency of shooting yeah. and scoring. There's no, so. there's no argument. I don't think that anybody uh, on here is going to argue for a different guard, shooting guard, to Jordan. Uh, 
Okay. Even though you stuck Kobe in there, I can totally understand why. I would probably that is a tough one because you, I, I would love to have Kobe back too, but uh, if I was asked to coach any five, I, I would have to put Jordan in there. Okay. LeBron again uh, for the fa- for the forward spot, okay. just seems wrong not to put him in there because again, uh, similarly to my first two choices, I think he will go down as the greatest player to ever occupy that position. And okay. the power forward spot, my an interesting choice here, and again another a Celtic, is Kevin Garnett. Hey, uh, KG's in. The big ticket. <laughs> he, uh, to me, uh, an underappreciated player. No question about it. Uh, two ways, both ends of the floor, uh, and also a lot of intangibles. Let's let's be clear. Yeah. Okay. This guy raw energy <laughs> i just yeah. loved him so much you, you know he is the he is the antithesis of tim duncan to me i actually wrote down duncan and i was like what am i talking about oh, kevin wants it thrown to the rafter so that he can catch it and put it back on his numbers and that's who i want in my starting five and that's why i found the center a bit tough because i was like would i want Shaq in there i mean he'd probably sulk at some point over over something or another um he'll be very funny uh but he'll probably undermine me uh i i went for wilt Uh, oh okay yeah i went wilt chamberlain because i guess i've gone down a rabbit hole in the last month or so people should look into wilt chamberlain and exactly what an athlete this man was uh, mm-hmm. shot put and high jump and long jump champion at university could run the 100 yard de- uh, 100 meters in just uh, just over 10 seconds as mm. a seven footer like yeah. there's never been someone like him uh, mm. this is a man who could average 50 points a game if he felt like it like sure. that's what they said 50 a game if he was in the mood and he he decided not to be at certain seasons he chose to pass i find that like he is one of the most extraordinary characters and individuals the game's ever seen and i'd have to put as my sixth man with the energy coming off the bench like imagine bringing scotty into the game <laughs> in, that, okay. in that in that moment taking yeah. any one of those players out scotty can bring up play any of the five positions and yeah. defend any of the five positions uh, so yeah, Scotty Pippen's got to be my sixth man. Okay, all right. So just to recap then, so your five, you've gone Steph Curry, point mm-hmm. guard, uh, MJ shooting guard, mm-hmm. uh, then who you gone? LeBron, uh, LeBron, Kevin Garnett, Garnett and, and Wilt. Wilt the stilt. With yeah, Scotty as a sixth man. Yeah, <laughs> that's a nice five. Still, that's a <laughs> I nice think five. So. Yeah, mm, I think right, I'll be cool, I, I'll be the Chuck Daly of that team any day. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if my man, thank you so much for, for, for coming on to the podcast. So that's starting five. That's going to go over to the next episode now. So, unless someone else Glenn Robinson choices, re- that has really stumped me. I'll have to go back and listen to that episode. Yeah, uh, definitely, mate. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's on uh, on where all your podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, all that. Um, if people want to find you, Jarlif, where where can they do so? Well, the Irishman Abroad podcast network is mine. It has a range of uh, uh, episodes and series available on all platforms. But if you want to get access to the Irishman Inside Basketball strand of it, which features 
interviews with the likes of uh, George Mumford, who was Kobe's sports psychologist or Michael Jordan's sports psychologist, uh, Jack McCallum, who wrote the definitive book on the Dream Team, uh, as well as the author of the Jordan Rules. Do you remember that book from the... Uh, mm. Yeah, that, uh, we've got a special episode on that. And as I said, Ron Shelton, that's all available on my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Irishman of There's no obligation, obviously. You can cancel it after you've listened to what you want to listen to. But it's only a fiver for the month and you get all those basketball episodes for you to enjoy. And I'm on all the social medias. <laughs> Mediae. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, lovely man well, Jara thank you again man um, I'm sure we'll bump to each other at a gig and we'll talk about what's going on in the Total NBA pleasure, season man. Man. Um, absolute pleasure thank you man guys thank you for, for joining us and, and listening as ever we'll all the socials NBA underscore UK fans on Twitter and on Instagram so check out that we'll be back with another episode of me myself and basketball as ever brought to you by NBA UK fans by the fans for the fans till next time take care